0: Welcome to Reader's Table, the podcast where two story lovers talk about books, movies, and stories of any kind. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the game The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask by Nintendo. If you want to support us, use our Patreon link in the description and follow us on Instagram at Reader's Table. We just mentioned in the intro today, we're going to talk about the game The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. And I know just a bit about it, you've showed it to me already in the past, and we also talked a bit in the past. So, Nick, can you please give our listeners an introduction to the game?
1: Why do we do a game on Reader's Table? Um, it's still Contains a story like most video games, not every video game has a story, but this one has one and I think it's quite unique and interesting and it has a personal connection to me. Since this game is pretty old, I mean it came out in the year 2000, so that's 22 years ago. I was five, and I don't think I played it when I was five. I think I played it maybe when I was six or seven. Either way, a lot of people might be familiar with the name The Legend of Zelda Uh, since Breath of the Wild came out in 2017 on the Nintendo Switch console, and it's had a major success even outside of the mainstream gaming uh, community. So The Legend of Zelda is a video game that is focused on action-adventure in which you play a hero that has to save the world and by extension the princess in the world the princess is called Zelda that's why it's called the Legend of Zelda because it usually revolves around an incarnation of this being called Zelda and the hero that is supposed to save the princess and the land or the world is called link the cool thing about it is that Princess Zelda is not some damsel in distress in most games. She actually is capable of doing things, and she's usually tied to the plot. Like, she's important. She's not just there to be safe. She actually does things. But in this game, she's just around once for a cutscene to explain how the instrument that you play works.
0: Can she do magic? Yes. Ooh.
1: So Majora's Mask is very unique because it is so different from every other Zelda game. So in every other major Zelda game that came out on the big consoles that were 3D, Zelda was always a part of it. There was always a general structure you needed to follow, and the end boss was always Ganondorf or Ganon or a reincarnation of him, which is the evil sorcerer, basically. In this game, Zelda's not around, Link is not in Hyrule, which is usually the realm that he resides in or has to save, and the enemy is not Ganondorf. The enemy is a a forest-dwelling being that's called Skull Kid that has Majora's Mask that basically possesses him like an evil entity. At the beginning of the game, you essentially need to find a way to get your instrument back, which is the ocarina. An ocarina is essentially just a type of flute. And then with the help of that, you can manipulate time. So you can make time go faster or slower. And the most important part is you can travel back in time because the game as a timer, meaning that after three days in game, uh, it's game over if you haven't saved the world. And that's because the school kid with the help of Majora's Mask is able to conjure magic and influence and manipulate, and is able to drag the moon down onto Termina. Termina is the the city or, you know, the realm that that they reside in. And in three days, the moon is going to crash and everybody's gonna die. So that's the end of the game if you fail, which can happen a lot of times because it's difficult to finish a game in three days. That's why it's uh, pretty unique with the time mechanic. You get to go back in time to day one and then continue your progress. So some of the progress is saved. Like you have to save four uh, gods from four directions, like north, east, south, west, and then they help you stop the moon. You cannot do all four in one three-day cycle. You have to repeat the three-day cycle by going back in time. So every time you save one of those, that is safe. But everything else, every other progress you've made is back. So every person you spoke to doesn't remember you. All the side quests in town, everything resets. That's essentially the game.
0: Is it not stressful to play the or end the game in three days and... Another question I just have is, is it not boring to always replay the same things even though you have some sort of progress saved?
1: It is stressful, especially in the beginning, if you don't know what you're doing, you've never played this game. There's a lot to it, because essentially just going and saving the four spirits, the four gods, is not what you want to do only. You know, there's other things to do. There's people living in the city... There's different races, the Gorons, the Zora, the Deku, Uh, um, you can explore those, you can meet people, and and, and so it gets quite stressful, and it gets like, it's a lot. But once you understand the time flow a bit, and you can manipulate time in that you can also slow it down, it gets a bit more manageable, and you understand things and and then it's like a time management game in within the game you know it's like
0: sounds like work and productivity it sounds it
1: sounds like work but it's actually fun because you're like oh this quest i can only do on the first day but i need to be on the first day if i want to conquer the first temple and save the first deity and you know spirit whatever you want to call them now i have to make a decision you know like what's more important well the one that's going to be saved even if i turn back time is more important so in the next cycle i can then on the first day go through the side quest in that way, to answer your second question, also never gets boring. To me personally and to a lot of people online, the fun thing is to explore different things. So you go talk to a person, you realize there is a quest, you can do there's a story you can follow, you mess it up and you get a second chance because in the third and the fourth, if you want to, because you can turn back time and then you can explore the story and do the right things to get the right sort of answer and ending
0: um what i'm mostly curious or interested about are the masks you know Mm -hmm. what role do they play and what masks exist Mm -hmm. and why is this the theme
1: so as to why this is the theme i actually don't know i don't know a definitive answer i'm pretty sure this is derived from japanese either folklore or in general mythology something like that because in japanese i would say culture the idea of a mask figuratively, not literally, is quite prevalent, right? You have a mask that you show to the outside world, a mask you show to your family, a mask you only show to yourself. And then they have masks in plays where they have the traditional plays. I can't remember what they're called. They wear masks there. So I'm pretty sure that's rooted in that. Uh, I'm sure you can find that answer. I didn't Mm -hmm. look it up. I kind of don't want to look it up because I just like...
0: It would take n- it away the answer. specialness? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I understand
1: that. This is a kid to me that was just creepy, and I like that it wasn't explained, really. And the atmosphere is is creepy because it's unsettling. And it gets unsettling because you discover the stories and you realize that a lot of these people have trauma. There's a child in this game. It's a little girl that lives alone with her father in a desert valley. And her father has been turned essentially into like a zombie... Uh, a mommy type of thing mm-hmm. when you find that man in the basement the daughter comes running down and is like leave she has to deal with this trauma she's losing her father she doesn't know what to do and then you can actually save that man by playing the song of healing which is the central song in this game
0: it sounds like a really in-depth and reflective game mm-hmm
1: every Zelda game has a central gameplay mechanic and the gameplay mechanic that they play around with in Majora's Mask is the masks. So the masks are not just things that you can wear and that look cool. (laughs) The masks actually give you an ability or two.
0: What kind of masks do exist?
1: So there is more silly masks that are a bit more rudimentary that you will use to solve side quests like smaller quests For example, the postman mask is essentially just a postman hat, and it allows (laughs) you to look into and deliver letters at the post, like the mailboxes of people. And you need that. Otherwise, you cannot look into the mailboxes because it would be criminal. And if you use that then to look into the mailbox, it helps you solve a side quest that involves two lovers that want to get together but can't. And then there's masks that are a bit more elementary to the actual game, like the Deku, the Goron, or the Zora masks. All of these transform you into respective races. The Deku are plant creatures, they're pretty small, allows you to blow out bubbles to attack enemies, to hide into flowers, to shoot out and glide around with flowers in your hands. <laughs>
0: That's cute. Um oh my You can God. also
1: skip over water, which is really useful because there's sometimes poisonous water that you can't swim in, otherwise you're going to die. So you can put on the mask, turn into a Deku scrub, and then hop over the water to get to the de- destination. Um, see, that's a gameplay mechanic and how to solve mm-hmm. your issues, environmentally speaking. The Goron mask turns you into a Goron. Gorons are um, mountain-dwelling big guys, kind of like dwarfs in Western um, <laughs> fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can roll into a ball and roll around. So you can roll around at high speed and even spikes come out of you so you can attack your enemies. Um, You can walk through lava without getting burned.
0: Pretty handy.
1: Yeah, and they're really (laughs) strong so you can push and pull heavier things than in your normal human form. And then you have the Zora mask which turns you into a Zora and the Zoras are like mermaids. Mm -hmm. So you can walk but but you have normal legs so you can walk on, on land but you can swim i showed you this already i think yeah yeah the walk. white ones yeah you can walk underwater you can swim really fast i
0: really like that one
1: yeah it's a really cool it's like the elves because they look cool they are like pristine mm. you know they're fast
0: so maybe let's go back to the actual story of the game mm-hmm. what makes you like it so much
1: so it's a difficult question to answer if i were to answer with my nostalgic mindset of, "Uh huh? uh, Why did I like it so much back then? Because I didn't quite understand it as a kid, but something just drew me to it. And I think what most drew me to it was that not everything was explained. And a lot of it was symbolic. But now looking back and having played it again as an adult, I think what I like most is this aspect of um, time travel, like time loop. So you have a time loop that occurs over three days and it's a tight schedule you know you have to pack in a lot to save the world and then to figure out all the little nooks and crannies and secrets in the world takes effort and you can't figure out everything in three days so you have to go back in time and then do it again you know
0: and what about the moon you said the moon is about to fall on the on their planet Mm -hmm can you prevent that and if so you know what are the effects
1: Mm -hmm. so the why is not really ever explored Mm -hmm. and that's why i like this game so much because it's not a lot of it is just left up to interpretation because a lot of it is symbolism and yes you can stop the moon and when you stop the moon you get the end boss battle basically with majora's mask and then you saved the world and it's all okay.
0: You know what I find funny? You're really that kind of analytical person and now you're liking a game that's mm-hmm. not really explained. So I guess we as humans inherit both parts.
1: I think what speaks to it as a game, as a story, um, anything that is explained and you're able to analyze is really exciting while you're analyzing it because you're like, ah, okay, that means this is happening and you figure it out you're kind of like a detective it's like reading a thriller and trying to guess the twist but as soon as the twist is revealed you get a bit of a high and then you will not read that thriller again the same way
0: that's why i actually don't like thrillers you start out and you know oh there's gonna be a twist and you know no thank
1: you (laughs) and then even if it's well done it's over you can never read the book the same way yeah it you already know what's gonna happen And maybe it's really good, and when it's really good, it's cool to read it a second time and realize all the things that you were missing. But it's not the same. So in the same way, this game is actually much better that it's not explained. Because if everything were explained in this game, I think it would lose a lot of its attractiveness. Because if we knew why the moon had a face, if we knew why Majora's Masses is where it came from, what it really does. I mean, there's a little bit of lore in the game, but it's not fully explained. If we knew everything and were able to explain everything, we lose the sense of wonder. And that's what happens in real life too. That's what Nietzsche uh, in philosophy talked about, the death of the god, right? We killed our own god with science. If we are able to explain everything, everything loses a sense of wonder. Mm -hmm. And I think that's applied here perfectly in the game.
0: Why is music so important in this game? Mm -hmm. I mean, it says masks and masks don't do music
1: music is important to me personally in two ways in this game and i think it's also important to the game in two ways you use music yourself as a player as a character each mask that you wear of the different races has a different instrument so when you take out your ocarina as link you play the flute when you take out uh, the ocarina or the instrument as the deku you get a bunch of uh, horns like trumpets When you use it as the Goron, you get a bunch of drums, so you play drums, like bongo-type you know, (laughs) hand drums. Uh, When you take it out as the Zora, you get a guitar. So each instrument is different, and you can play all the songs that you can learn in the game with each instrument, and each song has a different meaning. So the Song of Healing is the central song because you use it to heal people. And you use it to to heal the grief or the loss they're going through or the curse that, that is on them. You also use it to gain uh, the Goron and the Zora and the Deku Mask. It's just a beautiful thing to include music because normally music in games is a passive thing. In this game you actually can play the instrument. And then the second way music is really important in this game is the passive music that you don't play, the music that plays in the background. Mm. And one example I would like to give um, is the last temple you go to plays music that is kind of mysterious, eerie in a way. And at some point you realize, hey, there's stuff on the ceiling everywhere. I cannot finish this temple. I I have explored every room. So you go outside, you hit the button, and then the whole world flips. And then the temple is flipped. So you then walk on the ceiling, and you do everything upside down. And the music that plays then is a reverse, and is all four instruments that Link plays in all its forms. So you'll hear the flute, you'll hear the guitar coming in, you'll hear trumpets and the drums. And it's this um, musical piece. Alienated music. Yeah. And it's cool because... The forward music almost sounds like the backwards music, so it's like a an anagram of music. So you see how creative just in that one little bit of the game I was they just already to went. Say, yeah. That's
0: pretty creative. Um, so I think we're good to go to the likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a bit more about the likes and the dislikes you formed throughout playing the game.
1: As a kid, obviously, I didn't have a lot of conscious thought about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was exciting to play. A three in a 3d world as a hero to go on an adventure and save the world and fight against enemies and do anything you want so i really love that aspect of it that it allows you to just adventure and every zelda game has ever, always been like that one of the things i can say now as an adult is that even after so long it still works it's it's one of those games nintendo is just great at making games they just make games like no other company because they focus on gameplay which is the essential part of a game they might not write the most cohesive stories or whatever but it's really cool story it's creepy and the gameplay just works there's no qualms with it you know you mm-hmm. can you just understand it as a player and it makes you feel smart it makes you feel uh, badass and sad sometimes throughout the story when you help people um through loss and and, and you know death and acceptance of death and I really love that they did that, that they explored such heavy themes and essentially a game that kids can play because you can also play it as an adult. I think the only thing I would ever notice as an adult is that some, some parts of the game, you'll be speaking to somebody, there's no voice acting. So, but every now and then there'll be a question where a guide tells you something about what you'll have to do in a symbolic way. Then you, and then they ask, do you understand that? And then you can choose between yes or no, and I get that it's for the players that maybe skipped. It's like, oh, actually, I need to listen to that again. No, but mm-hmm. then there's also the same thing where they ask you, "Are you ready for this quest?" And you can just say no. And then I, and when I was a kid, I always said yes. I was like, yes, I'm ready for this quest. Yes. <laughs> later, as in adult, I was like, what if? What happens if I say no? You know, and essentially there's no reason for you to choose because nothing happens they just say oh no but i'm sure you don't mean that are you sure you don't want to go and then it's again yes or no Mm -hmm. so you're just in an endless loop if you just say no so i think that's a big dislike for me uh, a small dislike for me because it's not necessary you know why do you give players a choice when the choice doesn't matter you might as well just leave it
0: who is this game for and why
1: if you don't play video games um and you want to a zelda game that's a bit older i don't know maybe you won't like it so i think this game is really more for people that already play video games um if you don't play and want to watch somebody play this could be an opportunity to enjoy Mm -hmm. the story
0: like i did yeah (laughs) at least partly (laughs)
1: this story is not something you follow like the last of us or uncharted which has a very driven narrative and you know exactly what is happening It is very symbolic, and if you're into this creepy vibes, dark storytelling, symbolism, esoteric nature, this is something that that can inform you as a creator if you're creatively inclined, or just as a consumer if you like that kind of stuff. If you've played The Legend of Zelda, but never this one, you need to play it. It's the best, in my opinion. It's just different. No other game in the Zelda game is like that um and if you've never played a zelda game this might be your first two
0: and what are three things you took out of the game
1: it's difficult to say what to take out of a game that's as esoteric as this one especially when it's been with you for such a long time so uh, might might sound a bit weak but what i got out of the game is that for gaming gameplay is very important um, compared to everything else the whole atmosphere you get from the music from the story from character design and how the world is designed is important but but if you cannot interact and with the world in a meaningful way to you that's fun if it's not fun then it's not a good game Um, secondly you don't need to explain things to create a an interesting narrative and number three i guess number three is that there's always not just you know there's the saying there's always two sides to a story this game is showing you that but there's more than two sides to a story so you'll have that in the side quests where you help a person you think oh this other person is horrible and then you go talk to them and you realize oh, maybe it's not so one side and there's multiple perspectives in life and we should always uh, be cautious before we judge somebody or someone uh, or something
0: I guess that wraps up our episode for today.
1: Usually at this point we'll do a fun fact, but since this is the last episode where we review something this season, um, we're not doing that. But next episode is going to be a special episode. We have some things we'd like to announce, some mm-hmm. things we'd like to talk about.
0: An update on Raiders Table.
1: And then just talk a bit about nerdy stuff that we might have missed throughout the season. If you are new to this, it's what we do at the end of the season. And then a bit of Q&A at the end, a bit of community. Segment. All right.
0: Yeah, I'm already excited for it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be up in two weeks from now. Until <laughs> then, see you. Take care, and thank you so much for listening. In.
0: Yeah. That's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed *The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask*. If you want to support us, use our Patreon link in the description and follow us on Instagram at Reader's Table.